Before we begin our main segment, we here at Bloodhound Picks would like to highlight non-film works that we're currently enjoying. Some old, some new, some obscure, and some popular, but they're all outside cinema. I'd actually like to bring up that I am reading because of recently. We did a review on the Legacy of the Wolfman documentary that's about an hour long, and within it itself, we kind of realized that there is a lot with the werewolf kind of within folklore versus the what has become known as the cinematic werewolf and kyle challenged me to making my own werewolf movie so i've been reading up on it and kind of refreshing myself so i am currently reading which i suggest for any kind of werewolf fan it's kind of seen as the one that started it all is the book of werewolves this was written in um the 1860s by um, Sabin Baring Gould. He's famous mostly because of his life kind of inspired uh, My Fair Lady, oddly enough, but because he married a illiterate younger 16-year-old woman or girl or something. Weird. But, and then he, you know, quote-unquote civilized her. Isn't that the, s- the same story as Pygmalion or whatever? Yeah, 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 but um, it's irrelevant. Yeah, <laughs> so the book of werewolves actually, I wrote it is before the Wolfman ever came along or anything like that. Um, every culture has werewolf-like creature, and so he went around and in Europe and Scandinavia got all these folklore kind of aspects and how people talked about them and the legends. And then even to cases, because it was considered, it was kind of used instead of explaining a serial killer, any time there was like mass murderers, serial killers, or cannibalism involved, people would, you know, say, oh, it's this lycanthropy, or, you know, that they're werewolves or stuff. That was their explanation prior to modern psychology and all that, of, you know, people committing these horrible crimes. So again, yeah, I would suggest people check it out if you're interested in it, because I think it's it's interesting and it is, you know, it's a really quick read. Check it out. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> hey, welcome to Cinema Obscura. Each episode, we'll spotlight an obscure older film and a more recent independent movie that deserve your attention. For this week, we will be looking at two films, the first one being 1989's Sweet Home, and then Josh will be talking about A Cadaver Christmas. So let me get into Sweet Home. So there is an interesting history behind Sweet Home, as it's not really talked about in the United States, but it kind of plays an important role, I believe, in what has kind of become modern horror because a lot of times modern horror has been credited to like the Resident Evil franchise. And Sweet Home was actually the inspiration for Resident Evil. It was made by Capcom. And even though there is a true answer to it, I won't give away which one it is. But the movie was also sim- simultaneously released with the video game. But today we're just going to talk about the movie. 1989 Sweet Home was directed by... lost my... His first name now. <laughs> Kiyoshi. Yeah, there you go. Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who um, kind of reached more international acclaim thanks to, I'd say, 2001's Pulse, but he's done a ton of stuff. 
And he's kind of, he's known all over Japan for being a prolific horror director. So Sweet Home tells the story, at least in the movie portion, of a news crew that decides to do a special on an artist in a mansion that's in this very remote rural area. And it's a father, daughter, the producer, the reporter, and then the cameraman. And they go in to this mansion and it's that the mansion is haunted by the wife of the artist who their child died because it burnt up in a furnace and then she decided to (laughs) then give the child play other play (laughs) kids and threw more children in the furnace now sweet home itself is which is something i love but i will say it is very japanese horror where there's a lot of stuff that I think does not translate fully for a Western audience, or there's certain things that happen. But for the most part, it, it works very well. I don't want to spoil too much for you, but it's like several other movies that kind of came out. A lot of times it's considered Japan's Evil Dead, in a way. Mm-hmm. It's not, but I, I'll see that comment pop up a lot. That's basically the idea. There's this whole thing about shadows, that it, the ghost can only get you if it's a shadow even if it's a shadow within your own hand is a commentary that's made now i'll just speak a little bit about it the reason behind why it'd be considered an inspiration to kind of resident evil is originally it was resident evil was supposed to be a sweet home game and the original resident evil for those of you that have played it takes place within a mansion so it was a lot of similarities but instead they went with the zombie approach instead of a spirit. Now, I actually, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it works really well. There are some stuff that can be kind of outdated, but it's creepy. It has, I don't know, I believe it was purposefully trying to, but it has some very funny moments. It does kind of feel like a more serious version of House in a weird, the the one from the 70s, not the 80s version that was in America, <laughs> which maybe we'll talk about some other day. But no, I, I enjoy it a lot. I think the, no, it had some, like I said, some great kind of creepy factors. I think we'd just actually kind of like to hear both of your thoughts. I, get into it, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was, it was probably my favorite movie that we've reviewed so far. But yeah, I didn't, ex- I didn't know what to expect. But I feel like the Evil Dead comparison, whoever is making that is dumb. It, I mean, other than the fact that there's funny stuff and it's a horror movie, it's like nothing like Evil Dead really at all. But it's its own thing and it's good. But it's like, it's much more like The Haunting. Robert Wise's The Haunting is like clearly what influenced it. Yeah, I felt that, yeah, it was definitely a haunting. I think with The Evil Dead... It pops up, it also popped up with that Hiruko, the Goblin. For some reason, anytime there's a Japanese horror movie that kind of takes place in a remote area, <laughs> somebody always comments that they're like, oh, it's Jap- Japan's version of Evil Dead. It's so weird. Yeah, it, it was just like a, a reboot of House. That's all I kept thinking of, except it makes a little more sense, but not much. It's not nearly as surreal, but it sort of gets that way a little yeah that's that's all i kept thinking about was was the japanese house uh and how this was just almost like a rebooting it making it a little more easier to follow but not much and it's nothing like resident evil i was looking at the resident thing and i was like how this this is nothing like resident evil at all so when i was reading that stuff i was like okay what 
whatever. <laughs> I played the original video game, and that that is like the movie, so it's really only like Resident Evil in that you're like wandering around this mansion that's haunted and it you're like solving puzzles basically, but but it's it's like Nintendo, you know, top down view, like super old, so I don't know, there's such a dis- disparity between how much video games changed that you're just like, okay, I don't get this at all. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel, though, that, well, if we're saying that the game came first, which Capcom is a... The, actually, the movie came first. Yeah. Yeah. But they work well together. Like, if you see, you know, a lot of times there's issues with either games being adapted from a movie or vice versa. And... um like, I think they both kind of hold their own in their own way, which I think is great. Another thing that I noticed that I like, which is common and kind of appears a lot more within kind of the big Japanese horror boom, is that almost the idea of that men are useless. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I know, because I've been watching a lot of these. Uh, I watched Darkwater recently, uh, Paul's, a lot of them recently. And it's one of those things where like they have all this respect and the female character will like listen to them and follow them and then but when like the men come to take charge or do whatever they just they fumble around or they're completely useless even the guy that somehow knows all the history <laughs> i was gonna say i don't know except for that guy what was his name the, mr the gas station yes mr of nowhere and he's a fucking badass yes with a pint of he knows everything and he's a pint of early times and he's like, he's like, I'm going to bend this bottle. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he bends the bottle and he's like, all right, listen to me, motherfuckers. That guy's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then he's obviously the only male that's not completely worthless. And then he dies. Yes. And then the daughter, well, this isn't too much of a spoiler, but the daughter gets taken because it happens about halfway through. So it's not a big thing. He gets her back, and so it seems all heroic and almost that the movie is over. And then she just disappears and is taken again after he dies. And yeah, I I almost uh, had to rewind that because I was like, <laughs> she she was just there. What the fuck happened? They fucking, do what they want. Oh, yeah. They don't they don't want her back. Fuck it, get rid of her. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that bottle bending thing, though, that was my favorite scene in the movie was. What took place right after that? Because I was literally like, am I fucking losing my mind right now? Is Are, are they really breaking into this like musical number? And then the like howling laughter. I was just like, what the fuck? That was awesome. That was, that was one of the great fucking moments where you're like, yep. Cultural divide. I have no idea what this is about. Yeah. I, I, I was like, <laughs> I have no clue what is going on right now, but. That's okay. Well, I know the the version I watched too, surprisingly. So for yeah, everybody listening, Sweet Home really never had an American release. And you can find it online, but it's like people, it's fans that basically translated it themselves and stuff like that, that, which is amazing that there's people willing to kind of champion this movie. But then, for example, like mine, that whole singing scene, there was just no... Oh, yeah yeah um subtitles at all yeah mine I, either yeah I mean, so I felt, what are you missing I mean, yeah <laughs> i was gonna say um clearly it doesn't really matter what is going on here like as far as you know what's being sung about because well, i don't speak japanese well that's what i didn't know is that i was saying there the whole time it goes on 
for a while thinking <laughs> well is this somehow connected to the what's about to happen or I mean, we, just, I mean, that's, what, yeah. that's all I could deduce was that yeah. it had to have something to do with either what was going to happen or what did happen. It had to be important to the plot. Those lyrics probably explained everything that we needed to know. <laughs> <laughs> so with just kind of a basic more setup, though, within the movie itself, it, it kind of plays with Mother a lot. I think the also the connection between Evil Dead, going back to that, is that the reporter lady is so there's the reporter the producer and then the daughter the kind of main three females the reporter is the first one to be possessed kind of at mm. points and i think there's that connection between the sister and evil dead or something because there's random points where you don't know how she gets possessed but it's just she starts screaming about a baby and then she's the one that unearths this dead baby that cries for a second even though it's been dead for three years and then they do set up well they don't set up why she's possessed but that one the one guy who is the gopher of the television crew or whatever's out in the woods and there's that like shrine thing that he like knocks over that's like keeping the spirits at bay yeah, the reporter lady, though, she was like the most stereotypical woman because she was just kind of like this bitch and like was all bothered that they were in this dirty house and whatever. And it seemed like the other two were like much stronger female characters anyways. Yeah, I thought, yeah, it was, um, I would agree with that a lot, it, especially for the time. I think kind of the main female character was actually surprisingly very solid and she definitely is the one again without giving too much away that saves the day or at least yeah thinks about what she's doing instead of just blindly going into like these void doors that they walk into and get electrocuted <laughs> or stuff like that that's how men fix things craig yeah just fucking walk right into it that's why we die a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i hope that maybe someday this will get <laughs> I have to imagine somebody would try and do a, an official release of it. I would hope so. I think it's like worth it. I thought it's pretty solid, fun, silly ghost story. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, it also reminded me of uh, The Legend of Hell House, the one with Roddy McDowell, which obviously is kind of like The Haunting anyways. But mm -hmm. yeah. How about that finale too? <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Dude, I loved some of the effects and shit where like the mother has uh like babies growing out of her neck and all this weird shit. Yeah. I thought it had really cool ideas. I liked too like the twist of it being an artist instead of just like, I don't know, an author or whatever else, but then having like that one room that has all the paintings and then like has people are things are happening or people are getting possessed, like the paintings appear on the wall and stuff. There was like some really cool ideas. So actually going into, so the artist that they talk about is a, they call him a fresco artist, right? Which yeah. is basically the idea of the mural is when you start, it's a mural that tells, has a whole theme and tells a complete story. And so the idea behind it is that once you have that theme, you have to stick with it. And so when they come across it, they see, okay, well, here's the opening, but then it gets all weird. And to them, they're going, well, then this isn't him doing a doing this mural cor correctly because, you know, obviously he's not sticking with the theme, which we find out. No, he was sticking with the theme. It's just horrible things happened and possession and all of that. So and he was painting for all of those years before he died, after his child died and his wife burnt up or was killed as well. And That's awesome. I mean, that's that's inspiration right there. Dead baby. Yeah. <laughs> 
Did you uh, did you know that? So the Mister Yama Yamamura guy was one of the producers, and the main protagonist woman was his wife, and he like fought to get her one of the lead roles or something. And just based on so, Craig, I know you've seen Pulse. Have you seen Pulse, Josh? The Japanese one? No. Oh, okay. Have you seen any of this guy's other movies? Not that I know of. Okay. Well, it is, like, I know he said that this movie wasn't, it's not, like, compromised, but it's clearly not his style. Definitely considering, like, Pulse, which is, like, much darker and more of, like, a weird kind of character piece horror movie. And you can tell this is, like, much more of, like, a popcorn movie compared to what he does. Because I know he's very much about um, intimacy and minimalism, and that's kind of one of his big things. Where Yeah, this is. But this was also early, early on yeah, in his career. But Josh, you need to watch Pulse because it's... Yeah, it's pretty great. It's depressing. <laughs> I'm actually kind of ashamed that I had to admit that I haven't seen it. We're going to shout it from the rooftops, buddy. You guys really need to see uh, Cure. And it's on YouTube, I think. But uh, that's his... I think that's like his best movie. I've seen like a couple of his movies, but that one is, he's trying to catch this, this guy is trying to catch this serial killer who kind of can hypnotize people. Like it's very fucking mysterious, but like he'll just be in a room with you at like at the police station or something. You get left alone with this guy and then all of a sudden you are fucking going crazy. Like it's really good. Check it out. Uh, I know too for people that want to look up other stuff on Shutter. For those of you that have it, there is Creepy, right? And then um, there was he had a mini series on there, Penance. Right? Yeah, it's not on there anymore. Um, Creepy's on Amazon Prime too, and I think there's a couple other ones on Prime. But he's definitely yeah, he's really good. And I actually, in terms of like J horror of the time, I personally prefer Pulse over um, like The Ringer. yeah it's a much more like complex movie because i watched that movie and was like okay i could watch that a couple more times there's like a lot more shit to get out of it than like the first viewing yeah what we should do for our next one is or for one of our segments is the american pulse oh fuck that (laughs) is that who's who's in that again isn't yeah who? Yeah, Kristen Bell. The um, she was in Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Veronica Mars. Okay. Yeah, Veronica Mars. Okay. She's done a lot of stuff. But and then Wes Craven wrote the script. <laughs> yeah, with I think him and Vince Gilligan wrote the script. Are you fucking with me? No, but they didn't. Like I think one of them was going to direct it. I think they wrote a draft of the script and then it became something else. And then you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like, with those two, there's no way it could be that big of a piece of shit. No, I'm sure it got, you know, fucking ruined. Okay. Okay, so if we're all done talking with Sweet Home, then we can move on to our next little bit, which is Cadaver Christmas. Yeah. In 2000, well, Josh will handle it, but it was 2011, right? Hopefully I'm not wrong on that. Yeah, it was. Okay, there we go. 2011. So obviously it's a Christmas movie since you know we're almost there uh and i was informed that i should pick the most random fucking weirdo batshit insane christmas movie and to be honest i could have picked a better one but i picked a cadaver christmas because it was shot about 40 minutes away from where i'm sitting right now and i don't know obviously you know it takes place at a at a college campus and i'm not for sure which one they they used just because there's not a lot of info about actual locations for some reason. 
but it was shot in Davenport, Iowa, or Quad Cities, uh, which, like I said, is about 40 minutes away from where I'm sitting right now. Um, and they, I think I've seen that the budget, I've seen $7,000, but I've also seen 10. Either way, it was minuscule. And they, they, I don't know, they do, they do a really good job with everything in that movie. I think they also, they were on like the David Lynch eraser head plan and it took them like five years to make it because, you know, it was just people obviously in and, and the film, you know, it's all night shooting um, except for the end credit sequence. Did you guys watch the end credit sequence? So yeah, obviously these people are, are, you know, only shooting on nights and weekends. And if you, if you looked at the credits, there was about four names total and all of them had at least eight or nine different jobs. But for a zombie film, I'm not a zombie guy myself. I really don't. It's just, it, I, I don't, I don't like it that much, but this movie is a zomcom and it, they, again, they, the script is, is really funny. The character, the actors are all good considering, you know, what we're, what they're dealing with in terms of, you know, they're all friends, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't know if they're actual real actors. The main guy's got to be. But even watching some of the other actors, it was like, couldn't really tell if they were professional. Either way, they were all good. The script is hilarious. It, it's bloody as hell, too. And speaking of the main actor, I got to commend that fucker for having that Ash Williams caro syrup covering his entire face for that entire time, which ended up being like five years because you know that that shit got annoying. Yeah, that's why I picked it, especially because it shot in Iowa. And like I said, I could have picked something that was more obscure, but that's what we went with. So I want people to see it and it's on Amazon Prime. So get your ass over there and, and watch it. So did you guys like it? I know Kyle said that he did. Craig, you go first. I want to hear what you have to say. And then I'll... No, I actually, I did enjoy it. I was, I guess, worried going in. I watched the trailer first, which I know I try not to do for this thing. You, you and cheater. What are you thinking? Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> and and i was like uh what is josh gonna to no i i I enjoyed it it was silly i think the script yeah it was good i like the for people when you watch it they do the whole um they make they do the grainy effect to make it look like a grindhouse film and it worked and i think what i enjoyed most about it is that they just you know they committed to it you could tell that they were kind of passionate about it and they realized Mm -hmm. that it was silly and they pretty much have like these the main character has a it's like harsh voice the whole time even though he's the janitor and that stuff and they yeah they all kind of commit to these um quirky characters even the guy that is a necrophiliac or a... <laughs> dude that guy jesus <laughs> for, oh, and sex with a goat or something too i don't know yeah it's so funny <laughs> like we're just gonna have this guy f- have sex with the most random shit <laughs> that was ridiculous <laughs> I enjoyed it. I think you can tell that it was on a low budget, but like they made it work, and especially over a five-year period, the it didn't make it feel like that. So, I mean, the editing must have been pretty good. Yeah, I liked it as well. I thought it was a lot of fun. I was worried, but it was pretty good. Uh, I think they overdid the film grain. That's probably like my one complaint. Like I thought that was cool, but then definitely I did. Yeah, after a while, you're like, okay, I get it. This is enough. And there were a couple actors that I was like, eh. 
like the the bartender guy that guy was definitely not an actor but that's okay but but that was the good thing like craig was saying like you guys already said the fact that it was funny saves all those people you know if it was trying to be serious and you had someone like that it would ruin it but with the tone it was like whatever it does it's fine um and the drunk guy totally won me over by the end. I thought he was, sh- I thought he was shitty in like the first couple scenes. And then as it went on, I was like, oh, he's actually a pretty funny actor. Like he is actually kind of good. No, I felt the yeah. same way. I was yeah. worried about him at first. Like as, as it was going on, I was like, okay, come on. And then, like, then <laughs> gets, there's a scene between the two of them and um, the main character is knocked out. And oh he's yes just, like he's by himself having this conversation yes. and, and controlling his mouth yeah. <laughs> yes so it's almost like a um what was it smoking aces see even even before that when they're waiting for the zombies or whatever and it just keeps jump cutting and the janitor doesn't say anything and he just keeps going on he's like yeah yeah i'm from here where are you from like i don't know he just says the dumbest shit <laughs> I will say I was worried because it, it is a Christmas movie, but they turned it that way because in the beginning, it, it it almost feels like a movie that, I don't know, for me wasn't really, it was meant to be something else, but then because of budget or they were just trying to make it fit with the theme. So they're like, oh, let's just throw in that it was it happens to be on Christmas now. But then, you know, once it gets like where they're kind of barricading themselves in, it really becomes a Christmas movie, especially with the drunk guy collecting the body parts in a Santa bag. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and the style of the whole thing was amazing too. Just I don't in in no particular order, but just like the the Evil Dead reanimator combo of like i don't know it's very stylishly done yeah and especially for obviously they are in love with reanimator and evil dead <laughs> you know but still i mean it worked it was it was its own thing for sure yeah. I, yeah i think it elevated a lot of the stuff that would have been not that interesting or kind of like boring or whatever i don't know it made everything fun and you do have to know that they are cadavers and not zombies yeah don't call them yeah. zombies not until the end yeah god damn it yeah and they they obviously loved Evil Dead so much that they threw the poster in there too. Oh yeah, in that closet or whatever. Yeah, that and then for whatever reason there was the uh, Jack Burton tank top from Big Trouble oh, in yes. China. I'm yeah. like, okay, that that works. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I'll go with it. I'm sure the director just owns it. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm sure because I don't think they had the extra budget money to go buy one of those just to have in there no oh you know what else this reminded me of too was night of the creeps obviously yeah like in a big way mm-hmm. yeah clearly yeah. just not as many not as many dollars or resources no. or actors but definitely not atkins <laughs> no yeah there was no no tom atkins unfortunately <laughs> Just that whoever the no, I can't remember the guy's name, the guy that was the professor or the doctor or whatever in the flashbacks. Oh yeah, was that actually a known actor? It had to have been, wasn't it? I don't think so. No, or maybe not. I I I I can't remember his name either, but I remember seeing the credits and I, I just seeing his name, I thought heard it somewhere, but I could be wrong. It, it could be, I don't know. I mean it just you know, it had to have been somebody from Davenport, I would assume, because it <laughs> You know, if you looked, I've looked up, you know, the, the main, uh, you know, the, the director, the writer, the star, blah, blah, blah of the, of the movie. And from what I remember, I, I'm pretty sure they're all from here, yeah. Iowa. So 
yeah, maybe it was, maybe it was wherever that university is in the, I keep wanting to say that, that it was you and I, but I don't know which is university of Northern Iowa, but I actually don't know that. And it's like, you know, they could have just gotten some dude that was really a, a teacher or whatever to, to play the part. Yeah, it could be. I was just gonna say, I was surprised with all those flashbacks with that guy that it didn't become like annoying. It was still funny and good because I was like, oh man, here we go. Like a flashback explaining exactly what happened. Like we need to know, but it was, it worked. Yeah, and, and that guy, that character, obviously being the the sort of catalyst for the, the cadaver outbreak. And it, it what is it? It created a, it was like a parasite, but yeah. So I mean, you know that that was kind of a, a different spin on on zombie shit, I guess. Um, and it was just hilarious that the fucking drunk guy drank so much that he killed it, and after yes, so it didn't matter that yeah. he got bit. And he was the uh, he was the only one that knew anything about it when they're like in the classroom, like looking at the guy's papers, and he's like knows shit. That was hilarious. Yep. Well, I like it the whole time too. He's talking to the so. I guess for people listening, yes, the drunk guy, as we'll say, deals the show, basically. But for sure, he talks to the janitor that he just met, and he'll talk to him about how he's his best friend. (laughs) 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 You're like my family now. This is, despite everything, this is the best Christmas I've had in a long time. (laughs) And he literally just met the guy, like, what, an hour before that? Yeah. Yes. The janitor was pretty good too. Those guys together were pretty good. I like the uh, the security guard with the same fucking spiel like every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, about when you call nine one one in the in the university, it goes to the their security, and then she decides if it's worthy of. <laughs> yeah, so then she keeps talking about how she's like two years into a three year criminal justice degree or whatever. <laughs> that was pretty great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was funny. I mean, you know, you guys said you were you were worried before it started, and I can see why. But I don't know. To me, they they if the acting in some parts, you know, was questionable. At least for you two, I, I you know, I'm not saying that that's not true. But the fucking script was just so funny that again, you know, it saved it essentially. Well, it was unexpected too, because I like going into it, you could have like you probably will predict and so spoiler alert i guess for people that the main characters you know they'll bring in since the females brought in it'll become a love interest or the the cop seems like she'll or that he'll be a major part but really it's kind of a no holds bars of who goes or doesn't and the fact that the janitor is willing to sacrifice a person yes <laughs> i can't remember what he like breaks the guy the um necrophiliac's leg so they oh, yeah. save the cop yeah that was pretty awesome yeah. yeah and not talking about the credits but the ending was pretty good too or before the credits the like more official ending yeah expected as well yeah yeah i like that they made it where they went to jail like and they just, you know has i guess you what you would expect to really kind of happen if some crazy shit like that happened yeah and you destroyed all the evidence because you saved the day do you have anything else josh I don't think so. Um, I mean, I, th- I feel like we we basically said you should watch this movie and support it because, you know, yeah, they're, they're little they're little guys. It is like the perfect movie for a Christmas party with your friends or something like that. It's kind of like a perfect movie to just put on. Yeah, and that is true. And, and I'm sure that 
um, there's all kinds of exciting drinking games you could play uh, in relation to what's going on. Yes. Bloodhound Picks Podcast is produced by Josh Lee, Craig Dram, and Kyle Hintz. Music by Raymond Seed. Audio editing by Kyle Hintz.